But as we launch the series today, and we look at Jesus's first public words, it's kind of like that teacher that you had uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, All of us had teachers. Some of you still have teachers at school. And it's that teacher that on the first week of class, like wouldn't let anyone get away with anything. Like they were just mean. Like they set the rules and no one is going to challenge the rule because especially if they were a 24-year-old petite female in a junior class English, there were some boys who were going to test her willpower and her ability. And so she was going to make sure that she drew the line in the proverbial sand. That's kind of what's going to happen today as we launch this series on the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus, right out of the gate, right out of the, the, the first words that he says uh, are kind of a line in the sand or maybe the concrete because it doesn't ever change. That teacher probably over time loosened the rules a little bit. Jesus doesn't change. We just sang about it. Doesn't change. But, but as I think about that kind of strong beginning when Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven for the very first time, I, I also think about those times in life when maybe a, as a student or an adult uh, that you, your parents, uh, a friend, a coworker, has told you something over and 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 over again. And then all of a sudden, someone else, a third party, a stranger, a family friend, a a parent of a buddy, comes in and says the exact same thing, and it's like, wow! Revelation. And you just put your head down and think, They must only listen to others, which is true sometimes. But that's kind of how it is here. Things like be nice to your siblings. I wish I had a dollar for every time I said that. I could pay for the commons. (laughs) Not really, because it's expensive. (laughs) And more expensive today than it was two years ago. Things like keep your eye on the ball when you swing. Things like uh, you ought to take pre-calculus. Maybe that shouldn't be on water. No, you should take pre-calculus. Everyone should. That's true, you should. (laughs) So parents, if you've been telling your kids that, hear it from me. Students take pre-cal. But how often we think those from outside of kind of our normal routine can share things with us that those closest to us somehow we miss. And and Jesus, as he has been growing and moving, comes out of the gate in his very first public statement as a 30-year-old single man. Let's remember that that a 30-year-old single man changed the world 
by his words and his actions. And so let's see what he has to say to us about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? How do you get into this kingdom of heaven thing anyway? If you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 first, and then we're going to go back a page to Matthew chapter 4. So Matthew 5, many of you know that's the Sermon on the Mount, kind of the most famous uh, sermon uh, ever. Jesus preached it, this wide range of subjects that he teaches about. And in Matthew 5, he he talks about the Beatitudes, you know, the blessed be those. And then he tells us how we're to be salt and light uh, in the world. And then the very next passage speaks to something important about this idea of the kingdom of heaven. And so in Matthew 5, verse 17, it says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Here's the punchline. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom. Now, This passage is important because it shows uh, Matthew, the guy who wrote this book, his emphasis on the kingdom of heaven. He uses that phrase 32 times in the book, and then another four times he says kingdom of God. So 36 times in his book, over 28 chapters, he uses the concept, the idea, kingdom of heaven. And so when you repeat things, it should tell you that they're important, right? When we say things over and over and over again, there's a level of importance that it speaks to. And so what is this kingdom of heaven and how how do we get in? That's really the question because the kingdom of heaven is, is the presence. It's the presence and the nearness of God. That's what the kingdom of heaven is all about. It's the presence and the nearness of God as displayed for us perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. The presence and nearness of God as displayed in the person and teaching of Jesus Christ. This kingdom of heaven is present now, it was present then, and it will be present in the future. It will be fully realized in the future. But it's present right now. The kingdom of heaven is the place where the will And the reign of God exists in unity and perfection. Perhaps it's why Jesus told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why he told us to pray that, so that 
God's kingdom, his reign, his authority, his presence would be right here just as it is in heaven. The struggle is the kingdom of heaven is not physical. It's not tangible. I don't get to hang on to it. It's a spiritual kingdom. And so how do I get into this spiritual kingdom? How do I become a a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Well, the great news is there's only one requirement. That's the great news. There's only one thing that you and I have to do to get into the kingdom of heaven. One thing. It's not a laundry list. it's, It's not do all these things and hope for the best. No, one thing. One thing. Be more perfect than the guys who spent their lives trying to be perfect. Just be perfect and you're in. That's all it takes. Perfection. Because that's what Jesus says. Unless you're more perfect than the men who spent their entire lives attempting to be perfect, you won't get in. Now you're really glad you came to church today. One requirement, perfection. Because Jesus came to to look at these men, to look at all these who were trying to live out perfection. And he came and he said, I'm not here to abolish what you're attempting. I came to fulfill it, to be the embodiment of that law. In the book of Romans, Paul tells us that Jesus is the end of the law, the completion of it, that he transcends the law. And so the good news is for you and me that if I can't achieve it, at least there's one person that I know can. Because if I'm not perfect, and last time I checked, I'm not, and neither are you. Because that means you can never have a bad thought. You can never have a bad action. Most of us violated those two things when we were two years old because no one taught you to lie or to steal your brother or sister's candy no one taught you that you're imperfect and no matter how hard we strive we're not going to get it you're not going to get in but there is one who has come to fulfill the law to live the law perfectly, to show us the way because God's kingdom is built on perfection. I I wanna be a part of a perfect kingdom. We, We live in a great kingdom now called the United States of America and may I say even more specifically, Texas, the kingdom of Texas. And though both of those kingdoms are wonderful and and grateful that I live here, neither one of those kingdoms is perfect. I want to be a part of a place. I want to be a citizen of a place that is perfect, a kingdom that is perfect, and God's kingdom is built on perfection. The trouble is, none of us are perfect. And so how do we get in? This past week, I sent my passport off for renewal. Um, It expired in January after 10 years, and and as I was looking back through it, um, I noticed all the pages. I get the big book. So whenever you renew your passport, uh, believe that you're going to go on many adventures and get the big book. It's extra pages and it's free. 
It doesn't cost you any extra. Just get the bigger, thicker book. So it's like 50 pages instead of 22 or something. And I was looking through that, and there's three visas uh, for a large country in Asia that begins with a C, ends with an A. The Olympics were there recently. And and I have three visas to that. One of them is still unexpired, so I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work. Maybe they'll send it back to me, and if I ever go there again, um, I'll just show them that one. But then I also saw one for El Salvador. A number of years ago, uh, a group of friends and I uh, went to El Salvador. I was actually talking about this yesterday in a completely unrelated way, but that's funny um, to me. Uh, and it is funny to me. You guys weren't there. <laughs> and so I was thinking about this thing to El Salvador. And I'll never forget when we were preparing this trip. We went down there to do some mission work, build a water well, share the gospel, those kinds of things as, uh, in, in a very small, small village. But I remember on the preparation for the trip that the mission organization that we were working with, uh, when, when we got our itinerary, when we got to the airport, every time we turned around, it seemed like someone was telling us, make sure you have $15 cash. Because when you get to the airport in San Salvador, you're going to go through customs immigration and you better have $15 in cash to get a visa because your passport's not good enough in El Salvador. You have to have a visa, another little sticker uh, in your book. That's why you get the big book. Uh, so that you have plenty of pages for them to stamp and put stickers. And I'll never forget, like, there's tons of people Bring your $15. Because without that $15, guess what? You're not getting into El Salvador. That, that was your only way in. $15 cash. And your U.S. passport. Okay, so two things. But I think about that. We have requirements to get everywhere in our world. And for me to go to San Salvador, in this little tiny town, we stayed at this beach resort. There was a beach there, that's for sure. I had to have $15 and a passport so they could put a goofy little sticker on my one page. So if it takes that just to fly a few hours away, what does it take to get into the kingdom of heaven? An eternal kingdom, a kingdom built on perfection, what would it take? Well, I'm not sure I can solve the issue of not being perfect to get into that kingdom. But I know someone who can. And so turn one page back in your Bible, probably, to chapter 4. And chapter 4 is a, is a dynamic chapter because the beginning of it talks about how Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, how he went off on his own, and Satan, the enemy, tempted him. And then he comes out of that to actually begin his earthly ministry. And in verse 12, it says this. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, John, that's not John the gospel writer, that's John the Baptist, his cousin, Jesus' cousin. When John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. 
And leaving Nazareth, he went into Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. The way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light was dawned. And here's the money line. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hmm. The first words that Jesus says publicly are repent, like go a different direction, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He launches his public ministry not with some wonderful, gracious, kind, loving Statement, no, a strong, powerful statement about the reality of God's kingdom and the reality of how you and I become citizens of that kingdom. And oh, by the way, he's repeating his cousin John, who had said it just a few chapters earlier for us. Actually, the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 3. It always is good to hear the same thing from somebody else. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so if you're wondering, how do I get into the kingdom? How am I a member, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? It's very simple. You can choose to be perfect or you can choose to repent, to turn away from your way of life and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Those are your options that, that's how we get into the kingdom of heaven, to turn, to decide, to, to make the decision by faith, a decision of my will, to follow Jesus by faith. I'm going to trust that my perfection is never perfect enough, and so I'm going to trust in the one who came to fulfill the law to transcend the law, to, to complete the law. I'm going to trust in that person and that person alone. If I want to experience the nearness and the presence of God, then I'm going to put my trust in him and I'm going to turn from my way, from my idea of perfection. Because all of us have an idea of perfection. Just ask your spouse if you have an idea of perfection. You do. Like, it's my way. That's how we do it perfectly, my way. And God is telling us something very different than our way, unless it's as good, better, better than the folks that spent their lives working for, for, for perfection. It won't be enough. And so Jesus is giving us an alternative He's giving us an alternative to turn from my way, to turn from my sin and rebellion, my perfection that oftentimes is in contrast to God's perfection, and to by faith put my hope in the perfect life of Jesus. God's perfect only Son.
Because the only way that you and I become citizens of the kingdom is by radical change. Radical change has to occur if you and I want to become citizens of the kingdom. And the reality is most of us don't like change. And if you don't believe me, those of you that are here, when we move from the gym to here, I'll let you hang out with me next time we make a change like that. And that was a tiny change. We don't like change. And God calls us to radical change. A change of our entire life. Because we're going one direction. And God tells us, repent, turn around. Go the complete opposite direction because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the reason the kingdom of heaven was at hand is because Jesus was standing there. And that same kingdom exists today. He's asking you and me to change, to turn by faith. When most of us resist change, we are hesitant to do things that are new and different and not the way we've always done it. It doesn't matter how old or young you are, that is true. We resist the unknown. And that's exactly what God calls us to. Is a life of adventure, a kingdom that we can't touch, but it's a spiritual kingdom, one, one that lives in each of us that have placed our faith and hope in Christ. And so with that strong, simple statement, Jesus is asking for us to trust in his perfection, to trust in his sacrifice on the cross, trust that he paid the penalty of our imperfection. To trust him for our citizenship. And so if you're here this morning and, and that's you, you've made that radical change. I made that radical change as a 13-year-old. Where I recognized that I was imperfect. I knew it before then. But I didn't let many people know it. But I recognized on a Friday night at a small church off of Greens Road near the airport that I needed a change. I needed to exchange my imperfection for the perfection of Jesus. And the only way I do that is by faith. And if you're here today and you've done that, then you're a citizen of the kingdom. And your calling now as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is to actually display that kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's our calling, to be great citizens of the kingdom, to show what it means to live out his will on earth as it is in heaven, to show humility and grace, offer forgiveness, to be a person of repentance. We don't just repent one time. Our, it's a lifestyle of repentance, knowing that we are imperfect, but we call on a God who is perfect to bring light where there is darkness. 
to let the light dawn, to show the world that we once were beggars, but now we're royalty. And they can join that great kingdom as well to give them the hope of the gospel, to tell others about the greatness of the kingdom, to celebrate with other citizens of the kingdom. That's why we join together on Sunday mornings so that we can celebrate. That's why we're in small groups together, that we can celebrate the goodness of God and learn to become more like Jesus Christ, not follow a bunch of rules and regulations, but no, model our lives after the one we've put our hope in. That's what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. To trust that Jesus is my perfection. That when God looks at me, he doesn't see messed up David. No, he sees his perfect, holy son, Jesus. And I don't have to worry about this afternoon when I drive 75 in a 65, which I will, I'll just confess my sin in advance because I have a wedding to be to in Montgomery uh, later today. That, that God's not up there counting my good stuff and my bad stuff. That last weekend, oh, Easter Sunday, good job, people. And then all the sinners that skipped today. He's, he's, he's not up there counting them. Like, you're okay today. You, those of you watching online, you, you're in too. But sometimes that's our mentality. We start thinking like that. And and that's not true at all. If you're a citizen of the kingdom, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've turned from your sin and trusted his perfection, it's not a good and a bad. No, it's only Jesus. Because the truth is, you had no hope without Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you haven't put your trust in Jesus, you're living a life without hope. And I want to draw you in. I want to help you see the hope that you can have as a citizen of the kingdom. The joy that you can have as a citizen of the kingdom. The purpose that you can have as a citizen of the kingdom. The fellowship that you can have as a citizen of the kingdom. And God is asking only one thing, that you'd put your faith in his perfect son, Jesus. That you would turn to him and him alone. That's our calling, to be people of the kingdom, to live out hope. Will you pray with me?